Welcome to the Football Ramble. It's Scotland the Brave, Northern Ireland, the Euro stalwarts, and the world is run by 17-year-olds. It's Thursday the 12th of November. I'm Kate Mason. I'm Andy Russell. And I'm Vidushan Hunter-Raja. Oh, guys, what a lovely day it is. And what a two weeks it has been without Vish. It is so great to have you back in the studio, mate. Honestly, I'm really excited to be back. Thank you very much for covering for my absence. I suppose specifically you, Andy. Covering for your absence? Yeah. <laughs> yeah oh, I've, you... I've written Kate a series of letters saying uh, <laughs> the dog has eaten Vish's homework <laughs> and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's, Was that um, not true? No, no, no. It's no. true. Oh, Sadly not. Still playing along that. Actually, we three... The few people in the Rumble who don't own a dog, is that that's true now? Yeah, isn't it? but I'm, I mean, I'm I'm I am a dog person. Sure. I just don't have the. F- it's not a Donald for Trump a situation, Luke's, is Luke's, it? Luke's no. a cat owner, I believe. Uh, okay. Yeah. Luke looks quite a lot like his cat as well. <laughs> Honestly, he's posted a photo on Instagram today because it's ginger. No, no, but look, but but it's like it scowls as well. It's got like a resting. What's what's the bitch equivalent of a cat? It's got a resting that face. <laughs> <laughs> what is a girl cat? Oh God! Is this really ignorant? No, I mean, yeah, what is that? Maybe it's just cat. <laughs> Come on, Brassel! You're supposed to be the voice of reason here. There, what must, is be, it? there must be a French twist. I on have a no animal twist. expertise. Well, chat is—I've mispronounced that, but that's French for cat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, what would be a female cat? Is it still? Yeah, chat. Sin chat. Always a male chat then. Wow. Something else that needs changing. <laughs> Here we are. We're ready to take on these big issues. You're even happier that they lost 2-0 to Finland last night, aren't you? Oh, bless That's the first thing you said to me when I was coming into the office. Yeah, we'll, we'll rip your French boys apart. Yeah. Is that what you said? I, I, it's something like that. Wasn't it? Just because she can't be in Paris now, kicking off in a cafe because they got her order wrong, tossing over tables and throwing umbrellas around. Nick, I like to see the Finns succeed as much as the next Scandiophile. Well, so yeah, actually, they're not. They're they not Scandinavian. They're, they're Baltic. Um, Baltic. They're Baltic. Baltic file. A lot of Russian <laughs> architecture in mm, Helsinki. Interesting. And of course, more interestingly, um, Marcus Force, who was playing for AFC Wimbledon last more season, scored the opening goal at the Stade de France. We're really happy for you. Set up by Musa Sissoko as well. <laughs> it was lovely stuff. <laughs> Bit of London club solidarity there. <laughs> that is glorious. That yeah. is glorious. Listen to the uh, at the match the other day as well. Oh, speaking of glorious. And oh, Russell goes home. Put a little wee tear to my eye. I'm glad um, you enjoyed it. Yeah, it was very sweet. Um, and Actually, Ramble listeners can listen to it. Don't forget, yeah. subscribe to Football Ramble Presents. That, yeah. was, that was seamless, wasn't it? It was seamless, apart from the bit where I interrupted. That's but carry on. <laughs> it's all right, Normally mate. it's the other way around. But... Can you just go back loads now, or, or what's the deal? Uh, no, I am um, waiting for the, the, the rest of the fans. Okay. As is everyone. Obviously, this was on at the match business. This was, this was different. Okay. In a working capacity. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. That's but very of course, I'm Spartacus of you, but then you've already been. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Man of the people. Now. <laughs> the Football Ramble is the pod of the people. And we're going to kick off, I think, our proper the proper order of business by talking about another issue that seems to be concerning, well, the actual footballers, which is injuries I'm afraid and more specifically the injury to Joe Gomez that uh, at time of recording I think still hasn't been confirmed he's gone back to Liverpool to be uh, looked at in a more detail yeah um, but he basically 
yesterday afternoon, I think it was, um, Sky, we're just getting these rumours that there'd been some sort of the, the phrase is potentially serious injury. So no one was really confirming anything, which makes you think it's like even more serious than people are making out. And then in the context, obviously, of like the ludicrous international plus club football schedule. Oh, dear. It seems like it might be a bit of a shitstorm, most particularly for Liverpool's back line. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's far from ideal. And I guess people will look at it and think, especially a, a compromise could have been made in terms of these... Um, friendly fixtures that are, are happening this week. Like maybe it could be just training because I think it is important, A, for international teams to have time together. I understand the objections with the travelling, but hey, Champions League and Europa League are still going ahead. Um, I think what's sometimes missed when we talk about the selfishness of um, the associations and should international football be happening and all, all that sort of stuff, uh, that of, of course is to fulfill TV contracts, but what's the money for? It's, it's to help federations give money to football infrastructure in that country It's uh, about um, facilities for players, not just at the top level, but for all other levels for grassroots. So this is important. Mm. It is important. And um, I, I mean, I, I think there are several different ways around this um clearly the situation's changing all the time which makes it look more shambolic than it is but stuff like um you know the the uk based denmark players not being allowed back into denmark i mean that that's something that you know football can't pretend that the real world isn't still happening and i think we have to be reasonable and adjust to that i don't think you can either deny that or turn around and say oh this just proves what a shamble football is you know it has to acknowledge that the real world is 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 still going on and I know football is very good at ignoring that (laughs) but on this occasion it really has to pay attention to that and and be reasonable to that um but in in terms of the players being able to to spend times with with their international teams it is important and um I, I think the load on the players is not all down to international football. I, th- I think the remarkable thing is that when football abruptly stopped, if we go back to March, the, the lesson that football should have learned from this, from the initial panic of where are we going to fit in these games we have to reschedule before we realised everything was going to be shut down and that football couldn't just continue. Um, there was no sense of maybe we've got too much football. If, if, <laughs> yeah. if we, if what, if we, how does that not happen? If it's a massive panic that we have to, that we, ha- that, that if, if one thing gets postponed, everything's up shit Creek. Th- there seems to have been no rethink at all, mm-hmm. which uh, for me is absolutely remarkable. I think, you know, players have to adjust, clubs have to adjust, associations have to adjust. And I just think there's been so much panic and self-interest that that none of this has has really happened. Isn't that in keeping with how the rest of the football have have acted during this pandemic in that it's a really wishful way of thinking and certainly something that I prescribed to at the start where you thought, right, this is a chance to really look at yourself and and have Mm. a bit of reset. Mm. Much in the same way that it was pegged to all of us as, you know, don't waste the crisis, you know, be a better version of yourself, try and work out what's valuable (laughs) to you. Fish can speak Italian now. I don't know if anyone knows. Yeah. uh, I was going to say buonasera, but that's good night. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm on a slightly weird time loop on that front. People but could be listening to this at any time of the day. Point. That's Shoot. the beauty of a podcast. Yeah. And well done for being so versatile. Thank yeah. you very much. Yeah. Um, grazie. <laughs> <laughs> grazie mille. <laughs> but the um, ciao. <laughs> Carry on. Don't, <laughs> don't do it if you haven't got one. <laughs> so, but but like basically, football has acted like football, and in fact, you could argue that football has acted more like football than ever before because the greed has been so much more pronounced and so you know thinly veiled now that we, yeah we're in a situation. And I, I, the one thing I will say is, and it's something that I've been pulled up on a couple of times on Twitter for mentioning because I've bemoaned about why the hell they're playing internationals, mm. and it does matter a lot to those federations who really do rely on this money. Yeah. Um. But it's you know like Portugal panning Andorra last night. Like who benefited from that beyond Cristiano Ronaldo so in a friendly? It's-, it's almost as if it's a friendly they had specifically lined up for him. <laughs> going, like if we wind it back, remember when Pauletta was the leading scorer <laughs> for Portugal? I'm pretty sure he scored five against Q8 sometime. It's a lovely uh, they're, they're, they're looking it's for the little. Tribute. Yeah. They're looking for the it's little score phone seven book. for CR7. I love it. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's a beautiful tribute. <laughs> That's like a charity phrase, isn't it? Seven for CR7. <laughs> you can donate. Yeah. By ringing this number, we should put a, when we do the video of this. We should put a number along the bottom, <laughs> just really slow motion pictures of him doing crunches. <laughs> I feel like we've caught, uh, we've thrown you off your thread there, fish. Sorry. No, I think that that was basically it. Um, because the I was thinking about this when it came to, you know, we'll, we'll pro- we're probably going to talk about this as part of this discussion. But you know, there's a lot of now canvassing for the five substitute rules to come in effect, having been settled on three because of the vote from the Premier League teams. When you say canvassing, the canvassing <laughs> is very much in England because everyone else is doing it well, anyway. No, well, no, you're, you're absolutely very much in England. But the um, the one thing about it is that loads of people were talking about how it's obviously short-sighted that it got voted down. But I was thinking about it, and actually, if you're if you're one of the smaller teams, you would be against it if the bigger clubs come to you with this as an idea of benefit to everyone because you wouldn't believe them would you no, nothing no. In, nothing in their behaviour even beyond Project uh, Big Picture was done with everyone's good intentions at heart it was purely done for their selfishness so I can understand even if it would benefit you why you'd look at that as a team outside the top six and think now nah, they're up to me yeah so yeah I'm, I'm kind of I, I realise we're in this situation because football is just eating itself bit by bit who is scared about what Jürgen Klopp's reaction is going to be I mean, I think he's going to be sad rather than angry. Really? No, I think he's the he, old serial he, killer. You think angry? I think he's going to be angry. I think right. he's going to be angry. He's going to be disappointed. He's got no defend. He's got no central defenders. Certainly, apart from well, Joel Matip, and he's just like doesn't really like international breaks anyway. Like all of these, ma- I these think he's club gonna, managers. I think he's going to be publicly sad and privately angry. And right. I, th- I think he has a room in his house which is dedicated to. Just letting loose. And I don't think anyone else is allowed in there. A rumpus room. Yeah, I think it's, it's a dry white walls. I was thinking about, you know, the uh, the room in Blur Song 2, but probably less cushions and more kind of like Patrick Bateman style um, <laughs> sheets on the wall. I think every now and again, like in Jurassic Park, I think like a lamb comes up from the, um, from the floor the, the and it just that, goes wild on that. I hope they're not doing an Amazon style documentary on Liverpool at the moment because you think of where Liverpool are, of course, moving from Melwood, an angry Klopp surrounded with boxes of his own stuff. He's going to look very divorced dad, isn't he? Yeah, it's a bit, Recently yeah. divorced dad. I mean, yeah. I mean, I suppose one thing that Klopp could take take uh, comfort from is a, a small bit of poetry 
Um, because of course, uh, please don't do oh, this. Because Melwood, that you know, they left Liverpool, left their um, their training ground for the final time on Monday, and uh, you know, footballers have been, you know, celebrating that in their own way. Um, and Robbie Fowler has contributed a poem, and I just thought, please don't read it. <laughs> It began as a kid, so many late nights, just off the bus to see the delights. I was there, I'm proud to say, forever in debt, I did get to play. There's more, but, you know, just the two couplets, I thought you would, you know, that's the sort of thing that could calm a, a maddened clock down, I reckon. Maybe that's why you did it. Do you know what? I'm I'm dead against the poem because I, I, just, I think it, I can't I can't do it. It's making me cringe. And I like cringe. That's A lot of my comedy is cringe. Um, a lot of my life is cringe. But um, I like the idea that he sat down to write that by hand. Oh, yeah. Well, that's quite touching. Look, I I should say, I mean, I approve of everybody expressing themselves in any kind of creative way. And and poetry is just one of the the many arts that perhaps Robbie Fowler can dabble in. I I think Robbie has done very well out of your editing there, Kate, because it basically sounds like he's done a haiku rather than a a full poem. (laughs) Yeah, there there are more. I thought those were the best lines, actually. So I was trying to be generous. So it gets worse. You read it from the top and you're saying it gets worse. (laughs) It's a complex art. Look, it's good to be working at these things, particularly in lockdown. It's good to get a new hobby. I think he should be applauded. I feel bad that I slightly slightly mocked that. I suppose it's the I suppose it's the confidence that I think needs a tiny bit of undercutting, doesn't it? Cuz cuz many people, you know, they write poetry in their spare rooms for years and years and they never show it to anyone and they and they, you know, they struggle on and they work hard and they they and then one day maybe they show it to a friend. Whereas Robbie Fowler, I mean, I feel like this is his first one and he's just bammed it out there straight away. Read this. I'm celebrating Melwood. He needs to just work at his craft a bit more, I would say. Wow. <laughs> Jesus. He got properly red pen there, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> C, C minus. <laughs> it's actually hard to know where to go from here. Um, yes, uh, there are too many. You're saying there are too many internationals, but you think internationals are good. I, I think internationals are necessary. I think ideally we would be able to take time off internationals, but club football's not really shown that desire to to give a bit, has it? I mean, what what have we had? Like we've mm. chopped off FA Cup replays, and and that's it. And we've mm. we've we've pruned the League Cup. Which, if you're talking about something that shouldn't be happening this year, the League Cup shouldn't be happening this year. I leave the Papa Johns alone. Obviously, um, I, I think that's more than reasonable as we go further down the leagues. But I, I think the, the Joe Gomez situation is is really unfortunate. But it could have happened. My point is, it could have happened in Liverpool training. Mm. It could have happened in a, in a in a Liverpool match, as like virtually all their other injuries have happened. Mm. So I think laying it totally at international football is is just not correct. Right. Okay. Basic, basically. Okay, fair enough. And also, I guess the great benefit of international football, I feel like I should probably stick up for it, given that Marcus's back is currently turned, um, is that we may get to see people like. Jude Bellingham playing in mm. an England shirt for the very first time potentially it is a friendly he's been brought into the squad he's 17 years old why not why not give him a run out yeah yeah I, I think it's a really smart move to get him in there because obviously he's it should be said that he's replacing James Ward-Prowse so while there are other people out of the squad like Ross Barkley and James Madison he is the one player out of those three who plays Ward-Prowse's position uh, and also, it should be said that he he might not necessarily start, but it's very useful having him around the squad and dealing with those senior players and for Southgate and the other coaches to get a better look at him as well. I think there was um, 
on Twitter yesterday, maybe a couple of days ago, when he got called up, there are a few people running running the rule over when certain players got their call up. And at this stage, he's more experienced than when Raheem Sterling got his call up mm. and where certain other players got theirs. So, you know, it, it makes sense. It's something they've done for a while. He doesn't have to play. He's just in the squad. He's, he's We've got to remember as well, I know... You know, you touched on it before about there are other leagues that are using five substitute rule because there was a lot um, said about how, you know, he hasn't played 90 minutes. Yeah, he's playing with five substitutes. He started a lot of games. He started in the Champions League. It's good enough for me personally. Mm. I think that's it. Uh, uh, it's easy to, to look at his age, but the fact is he's in a demanding environment where a lot is expected of him. I mean, you remember when Jude Bellingham signed for, for Dortmund. On the day that he landed in Dortmund to sign the contract... Borussia Dortmund sent uh, four club cars to the airport just to put journalists off. Like three drove oh, yes, off yes, yes, in yes. other directions and one took him and drove him back to Brackle, the, 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 the training ground. And, you know, so he's had to deal with this expectation from minute one because it's in a post-Sancho environment. And you know what? He's, he's stood up to all of it. I mean, clearly he's got his head screwed on. He's um, supported very well by his family, um, very much like Nathan Redmond when he came out of Birmingham City at, at, at quite a young age. And the fact is, he, he's not going on a, a sort of fact-finding trip like Theo Walcott going to the World Cup. You know, this is someone who is mm. good enough to start for one of the best teams in the Bundesliga, one of the best teams in Europe. And you, you look at him and people at Dortmund have been taken aback by how quickly he's adapted. I mean, clearly they did their homework on him if they were going to pay 25 million euros for him. But the fact is that he has played more and produced more than you would expect so far. And he looks as if he's, he can handle himself. He doesn't look like a boy in a different way. It's a little yeah. bit like when Wayne Rooney came into the, 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 the first team at Everton. He's not a skinny kid. He's, he's a big guy who can handle physical contact. I mean, he's, he's talked about it in um, some interviews he's done with the British press recently. I know he's spoken to Miguel Delaney, who's going to be on, on the continent with us later. And he talked about, Jude Bellingham talked about how part of the reason he can handle himself is because his dad played in non-league. He comes from this non-league environment. And, um, you know, he, he realises that, you know, you've got to fight for the right to to play and I, I think that's that's quite unlikely for sort of if, if you're looking at sort of teenage prodigies in general not many of them come in with that sort of mindset do they yeah yeah and and, and like without willing to put tanks on your OTC lawn <laughs> is he he's a he's a very different midfielder isn't he he's actually like more of your traditional centre midfielder he, he's probably yeah. of, of all the midfielders England have if you were to say who is a centre yeah. midfielder he'd be quite near the top of someone who actually occupies that central space plays a position that we need yeah, yeah. he can do the whole box to box bizzle I think he's young enough that you could mould him into a position you needed if yeah. there's a particular need and I think for England there is a particular need and you know I, I think there's more and more form for like players that are adaptable, particularly with modern coaching and playing maybe in slightly different positions for their country that they do for their club. So, yeah, I think that could work out very well for England as well. And yeah, we know that he's got through one of the most traumatic experiences you could have as a footballer, which is having the rest of your squad sing Beatles songs at you on your arrival. So, you know, but we did, know he's a solid uh, Did you see his, his own initiation though? Hey, dude. What? It, 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 yeah. <laughs> I, saw, I saw it via Jaden Sancho's Instagram. Sancho was crying on it, wasn't yeah. he? <laughs> <laughs> Bless 
bless him. Yeah. <laughs> Look it up, guys. We'll, uh, we'll tweet it. Um, one little flight of fancy we want to go down before we uh, head into the break. Okay, I realise I'm undermining it a tiny bit here, but Manchester United's quest to become the sort of overly financially stuffed Spurs um, continues with rumours that they're going to be bringing him back. CR7 is returning to Old Trafford, Vish. This is all for you, mate. How are you feeling? I mean, he's not, is he? (laughs) It's just, you know what, it's it's like when you, you leave your childhood sweetheart when you go to university and you come back a few years later thinking, oh, you know, I'm, I'm probably exactly where I was when we when we split. And now, like, you know, now I'm back and, you know, I feel like I'm a better version of myself. And you realise you're not, actually. You spent three years boozing and letting yourself go. And now that <laughs> That's back, exactly what he's been doing in Turin and Madrid. <laughs> well, that's what Manchester United have been doing. So they, oh, think, they, they think they can get him back. And they're looking at you on Instagram and being like, God, he looks great, doesn't he? God, yeah, what a lovely tan he's got now. Mm. Look at his hair. Um... But yeah, no, I, I just don't know. And also, like, the one thing I, I was trying to, you know, work through the logic in my head. And, I, and the one thing I would say, and it's a reason the United went for Igalo, it's a reason they have Cavani now. And it's, I suppose it's also the reason that, if you go a bit further back, that they went for Falcao. It's quite hard finding really top tier strikers, or, mm. or certainly top tier players who can occupy that position further forward so I can understand to an extent that bringing someone in who has that knack of goal scoring and is still physically pretty capable um, I can understand why you'd want to do that but I mean like don't just do it because he's you remember what he used to do and you're trying to hark back to being a big club as well just do something sensible for once I think outside fans outside of Manchester United will see that uh, you know Juventus are keen to get the £540,000 a week wages of Cristiano Ronaldo off their books and and I think that really is the what makes it a perfect fit because it just seems like that's the kind of vastly inflated price that Edward would, would just like really want to pay. Which is exactly why Paris Saint-Germain are in the mix as well <laughs> and why why Leonardo's um, not exactly taken their name out of out of the race. Uh, look he's, he's he's still got some football left in him. I, I think that's that's pretty clear. It's just everything else that comes with it. And we kind of had this discussion with, and I don't, I don't want to bring him into a Cristiano Ronaldo discussion really, but we're going to have to. It's like when we were talking about Leo Messi and the possibility of him going to um, Paris Saint-Germain or Manchester City, because there is such a, a, a limited cachet of clubs for these players, not, not just with this sort of stature, but so, so highly paid. Um, the, the, the fact is, if you're putting yourself in a situation where you're going to, it's not like buying Cavani, is it? Because all of a sudden, you've got to move to the timeline of Ronaldo or you've got to move to the timeline of Messi. And that, while there is more than enough short-term gain, is, 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 it's not great in terms of long-term, is it? Or even medium-term. And as, it's something that's harmed Juventus. I, I think you can mm. look at Juventus and like he's done nothing wrong, to, to, to be clear, in, in terms of what he's done on the pitch. He's... he's He's been amazing for them. But they are further away from winning the Champions League than they were when he arrived. Mm. And they're spending more money on wages than anyone apart from, you know, the the most like spendthrift um, sports associations in the world, really. You know, you look at, you know, it's put them in a bracket with Real Madrid and Barcelona a couple of NBA teams, which 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 is which is crackers really, and 
But it's four times what? as much, isn't it? He paid, he's paid four times as much Ronaldo than the next highest paid pair at the club, which is Matez de Ligt. So she, he, he's the mason of the ramble, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I've earned it. What can I say? <laughs> Ronaldo, been around the block. <laughs> Ronaldo, to me as well, he seems more of that Ibra mould of worlds to conquer. And I wonder if like maybe PSG would be more amenable to him as well, because... It's what everyone thing. dreams of, <laughs> knocking over Liga. Well, but, but like he can... He can he can add it to his CV, can't he? And say like, well, no, you know, Messi stay put. Look what I've done. I went around the world mm. collecting medals. In in fairness, if he could simply learn how to put on a face mask properly, that would be a start. <laughs> of course, we were talking about him being set up and, you know, yesterday he came on against Andorra after Portugal had softened Andorra up <laughs> for a half. He then came on at half time, eventually got his goal and, you know, played well and all the rest of it. But in the first half, obviously... Uh, Portuguese telly was taking a lot of, and Spanish telly were taking a lot of shots of him inside uh, on on the stand, getting ready, socially distanced. Of course, the social distancing thing is brilliant because you get a nice clear shot of him. You know, you, he's not sat next to some mug who you don't want a shot of. And <laughs> it turns out he's the Mario Balotelli of face masks. You remember Balotelli with the bib? Uh, Ronaldo just couldn't get it on. It kept falling off. And <laughs> this is why it might be why he tested positive for COVID so many times. Uh, uh, who, who knows? <laughs> anyway, in the end, he has so many goes at getting the mask on. It falls on the floor. You have to get a second one. I think they brought him on at half time because they're like, oh, fuck's sake, you can't actually <laughs> keep the mask on. We're just going to have to stick him on the pitch. <laughs> because if you're his club manager, you don't want him to play 45 minutes against Andorra, do you? Oh, yeah, that's probably true, yeah. God, I got. I think we got more serious content out of that uh, ludicrous rumour than I really expected. So, should we get to a break? After that, we can go fully international. <laughs> Welcome back to the Football Ramble. The second part is going to be fully sung. You up for it? Yeah, I'm up for that. I'm up for that. I used to, I, well, I used to, I played five aside with Cotton called twice because he used to play around where I used to play when I was younger in a place called Westway in oh, Latimer yeah. Road, West London. Oh, yeah. I've played there. I've played there. Yeah. Oh. Lovely joint, yeah. He's very, very good. <laughs> I know you had this discussion last week about like, well, when people are, oh, he's shit, he's shit. Yeah. And, I know Cotton Cole's, um, his nickname when he was playing early days at Chelsea was Cotton Control. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he, one of those players where you, you play on a five-side pitch with him, you're like, yeah, you're phenomenal. <laughs> this is absurd. <laughs> yeah, he's actually somewhere, Some he's having a chat with his mates, Cotton Cole, saying the same thing about you. Bitch. Probably what spurred him on, yeah. <laughs> I know Andy Brussel was feeling a bit like he wasn't getting enough email reading time recently. So that's not the official line. Actually. Oh, right. what was it? Can't um, read. I, I just find it more. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> 
But fortunately, I have the earpiece on and uh, Vish is going to be relaying to me this email from Dan Jordan. Hi, Ramblers. All the talk about Jobsworth referees reminded me of one instance when I myself was a Jobsworth 16-year-old referee. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not, I'm not meaning to laugh at that so much. Uh, one very hungover Saturday morning in the under-9s Epsom and Yule District League, very noble league, I gave a throw-in to the defending team in an otherwise uneventful seven-a-side game. One of the kids on the other team took particular exception to this decision and told me to F off. <gasps> under nines. I'm not sure if it's because of my patience, but it was worn thin by the prior night's fruity ciders or if I was just a bit too big for my boots. But nevertheless, I immediately showed him a red card. <laughs> Quite right. Probably the correct decision, but the shock mums and dads were probably right in saying that I could have asked his manager to substitute him to allow him to cool down as opposed to sending him off, literally wailing with tears into the frosty Surrey morning. Anyway, have a good one. Dan, I back you 100%. you as And well. that is the official football ramble position. Yeah, definitely mm. right, Dan. If he's, you know, I'm sorry he's crying, but if he's going to try and play with the big boys, if he's going to roll out the F-bombs in the under-9s league, he needs to take it on the chin. He's got to learn. He's got to learn. He should have sent more of them off, actually, by association. <laughs> Or at least, or at least. You're mates with him, so you're clearly a yeah. blackguard as well. Off you go. You probably have it in you to swear at me. See <laughs> <laughs> yellow. What would you do in that? Have you refereed? You've got kids. Have you refereed your kids' games? No, I played Sunday League at one point. Against your own kids. <laughs> I played Sunday League at one point and I had a really shit first half, got substituted at half time, and the ref and the two uh, linesmen didn't turn up. So I had to ref the second half. Hang on, after and coming off? Yeah. So you were playing in the game and then meddling yeah. with it. Oh, so, yes. so, so someone else was refereeing. Yeah, well, yeah one, right, one, right, one yeah. of their lot was refereeing yeah. in the first half and one of our lot had to referee in the second half and because I got dragged off, it was me. That's because uh, you're anyway. head of bins, isn't it? Everyone knows you. You're, so, <laughs> you're so noble that you'd always be objective no matter what side you were on. Anyway, <laughs> I made a bit of an error in the, I think I was, I don't know whether I was not fully engaged with it or I, I just had the hump about being taken off. Anyway, I realised approximately 15 minutes into the second half that I hadn't put my watch on. <laughs> I hadn't put my watch back on. So I had to, while we had a corner, sneak over to the sideline where my bag was, reach inside <laughs> my bag, put on my watch, hopefully without anyone noticing. And so that I reckon, like there were a lot of people blowing at the end. I think we played about 55 minutes second half because <laughs> it was just an estimate of how long the half should be. <laughs> That's really good. You can always say that. You know, no, 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 it's a minimum of added time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what, you got somewhere to be? You're going off to the pub next, are you? <laughs> yeah. I paid my match fee. I'm getting my money's worth here. You're staying yeah, out. There is some point to that actually. Yeah. Getting to stay yeah, on longer. Sure. No, look, I think you probably did the did the side of service there. Um, Dan, thanks for the email. Keep them coming in. Yeah, we love love hearing from you, especially if you've got not a lot on at the moment. You know, you're sitting at home. You want to put out that poem you've long been... Actually, I feel like I call for poems every week, so perhaps it doesn't have to be a poem. But you've got a book club. You're not having poetry club as well. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, please do get in touch with us at the Football Ramble. It is on email, show at footballramble.com or tweet at footballramble. Can't wait to hear the other dodgy things you've been up to when refereeing. At least you probably did bring your watch. Now, Scotland, it's the bigger one. 1998, the last time Scotland went to a major tournament. Kind of extraordinary to think of, but they are eight 
games unbeaten there in Serbia. They arrived at... I was told 7.15 last night, we do that kind of weird thing on Sky Sports News where it's like, we need to know precisely the timings of what everyone's up to and, you know, counting it down in this incredibly intricate way. So, yes, 7.15. Sorry, I hit the chair. (laughs) (laughs) They arrived. They arrived. They're ready. They're bonding. I think Steve Clark, head coach, is um, trying to intimidate Serbia by being incredibly jovial. Have you seen him? Trying to intimidate Serbia when you're playing them in Belgrade. That is an interesting tactic. Yeah, Yeah, I know, mate, but like... Have you ever seen, I don't know if you've seen much of his press conference action recently, but he's like, he's having a laugh with everyone. He's chortling. He's talking about all the in-jokes. That would freak me out more if it was Roy Keane. True. Like managing a team. Yeah, no, fair fair point. But he's, I I thought you were going to say he was intimidating by being punctual. Well, we've been here for five minutes. (laughs) Where have you been? Um, I'm really nervous for Scotland. I really want them to get through. me too. And just, uh, I was kind of hoping that... um, you know, the, the COVID world would bring them a bit closer to it. And it kind of has in that it's only been one leg. And I thought maybe by keeping, you know, Serbia's uh, Serie A players in Italy, that might also help, but it hasn't. No. Because they're the, out now. They're going to pay fines for them, aren't they? Well, the, some of them saw the, the the ruling coming and so just hot-footed it out of Italy uh, to okay. Belgrade straight after their games at the weekend, like Sergei Milinkovic-Savic, for example. Um, Again, I I suspect we'll we'll, we'll touch on the Serbia side of it a bit more in um, OTC later. But you know what? They were really good against Norway in the last round. Norway, who who weren't really good, despite, you know, being shot up into the stratosphere of expectation by the players that they they now have with um, Holland and Solot and Odegaard and and, and what have you. this is going to be super tough for Scotland. But what we do know is that Scotland can possibly bore them into submission. Because did you see huh. the their last round uh, the, against Israel? Was, oh, yeah. yeah, I, I, mean, I watched yeah, that I game. Was watching yeah. It. Did you? Yeah, I watched all of it. Yeah. Is that why you've had two weeks off? <laughs> Just recovering from it, yeah. Yeah, yeah crikey. But the, um, I, I, I don't know. There's something about this Scotland side. And, and Steve Clark's been talking up a lot about their camaraderie and things like that. And I remember I spoke to Robert Snodgrass at the start of what would have been 2019-20. And we were talking about Scotland. Um, and he was like, and I, I said to him, so ever since I, when I went to Edinburgh, Edinburgh for university in 2004, started following Scottish football a lot closely. And there were always these false dawns about, you know, players coming through and crops of players coming through and golden generations, this, that and the other. And there are a lot of people who fell by the wayside, a lot of really talented Scottish players from quite a young age who probably won't have even come into the, the general football consciousness in England. Mm. Um, and I was like, what, what do you think that's down to? And he's like, honestly, I just think it's, it's just the way things have played out. And I think he he reckoned it was because the national team was in such a dire strait that no one really saw themselves as the generation to, oh, we could do that. Yeah. Because there was disappointment followed by disappointment. And, you, and the kind of disappointment you could attribute to bad luck as well. And he said what happened now is suddenly there's just a young core of players and you can, you know, McTominay, but Andy Robertson as well, Kieran Tierney, who have come in and rejuvenated, um, you know, Snodgrass's group basically mm. and now there's a real sense of god we can kind of do something here and also we're randomly all playing at really good levels of football that's it well norway are actually quite a good nod to that aren't they like one or two elite players can change everything mm. and as you say andy robertson's probably the best example of of that and someone who's come from you know he's, he's not come from a premier league academy mm. he, he's worked his way up to be one of the best players and one of the most important players for for liverpool which i don't think you can put 
enough weight on that and, and how important it is. I do want to ask, though, did you, when you interviewed Robert Snodgrass, did you call him the Snodfather? No, is that his nickname? Well, it's it's the nickname given to him in, you know, West Ham <laughs> clips where they have the... Yes. The, the, the commentaries over, over the yeah. West Ham games. Yeah, they, they, they always call him the Snodfather in that. Oh, no, I'm so I've, taken with that. <laughs> I mean, that I'm not going to refer to him as anything but that now. Uh, I think it's only right. Oh, the Snodfather. <laughs> I really love home team commentaries because they always do that sort of thing, don't they? And try and make people sound like they've, they've got wild nicknames, even if they really, really don't. Don't, talk, really about, don't, suit it. don't talk about the Snodfather like that. <laughs> <laughs> Not on this, the day of his country's most important wedding. <laughs> I tried to go a bit. Oh, I see. You know, that was actually kind of good. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know what you mean about feeling a bit nervous for, for Scotland. Um, out of all the, the eight Euro 2020 playoff finalists, Scotland, according to the bookies, least likely to make the finals next summer, which I guess speaks to the quality of, of this uh, Serbia team. They also lost to Serbia in two legs back in the... Uh, World Cup qualifiers for 2014 in, in Novi Sad, which featured Philip Juricic, but I think he's got scoring two goals. I think he's got COVID, so he may not he be does. playing. He does. Yeah. Uh, he's he's um, from Sassuolo, who aren't allowed to send players out on international duty anyway. Although, obviously, that's not, as Vish was saying, stopped a few from uh, skipping camp. Ooh, the good ones as well. Milinkovic Savic, he's yeah, he's there, brilliant, and he's there. Mm. And the head coach actually said, "Well, supposedly in Serbia, people think that this is like quite chilled, and they're pretty much straight. They're pretty much in the Euros." But so their head coach was like, guys. "Chilled Serbia." There's a thought, <laughs> <laughs> uh, guys. The Scots have a special. This is what he said, and long tradition in football culture. Don't forget that one of the biggest games in the world, the Old Firm Derby, is Scottish. Um, <laughs> so yeah, his his attitude is sucking up to the opposition. That's, 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 that's not how it works. <laughs> Does he think Henrik Larsson's starting this yeah. game? <laughs> They've got George Albert, haven't they? <laughs> I think it's quite sweet. <laughs> it, it is a weird thing, though, isn't it? I think sometimes, as football fans, we can assume that like, national coaches or actually any coaches and players have as much of an interest in a, as wide a breadth of footballers as, as, as we do. And sometimes that's simply not the case. Yeah. And yeah. you know, that you do feel that sometimes, especially players, but to a lesser extent, some coaches are, yeah, Scotland. Yeah. A friend of mine uh, went in an exchange there once. Yeah. Walked up and down the Royal Mile. You know, brought me back a paperweight. You know, you know th- that's almost the sort of area that they're sort of rolling into. Yeah, yeah. Deep fry everything over there, don't they? <laughs> it just sounded a bit like you, if they were playing in the US, they'd be like, wow. That's a bit specialist, <laughs> the deep frying thing. But it'd be like if you're playing in the US, you went, well, you know, they made the wire, didn't they? Um, <laughs> but really, really good TV. So yeah, we're up against it now. It, just, it doesn't relate. We've got the biggest game in your head. <laughs> well, best of luck to Scotland and best of luck also to Northern Ireland. They're up against... Slovakia, but frankly, they're just they're just used to being in the Euros. They're in the I mean, their last major tournament was in France, but it was the most recent Euros. And they they play quite boldly in Bosnia to to to, yeah. to win that game um, out out there. In and you know did incredibly well to get through. Of course, Bosnia have got a lot of recognisable players to us. They they've not been brilliant the last couple of tournaments and the last couple of qualification cycles, but still to to actually go there and win and to play like you want to win the game mm. rather than just to grind it out as well is real credit I think to to Ian Barraclough and, and and his players. Yeah, and they had that postponed loads of times as well, didn't yeah, they? they did, the yeah. semi-final, so which can't help your prep. 
Yeah, the um, Northern Ireland have that great quality of both being an underdog yet know exactly what it takes to win these kind of matches. So I'm, I'm not worried about them. I'm, you're not I'm, worried about them. All my nerves are focused on the no. Scots, on the wee Scots. Somewhere... Is, is that why you're rocking your Graham Sooness at Rangers tash today? It is actually. Yeah, in, in that's support. Why, yeah, that's I like why I it. thought. I'd, I don't I'd know if do you that. noticed when you posted on the on the group your photo of um, of the of the new tash. Yeah, that all of the. All the lads piled in with great applause and the girls <laughs> on the group said literally not a word. <laughs> so I, I put it on I put it on Instagram on a poll to be like, oh what well, I wonder if I'm and it kind well, of shot up and so yes one by like sixty three percent or whatever it was. And on Instagram you can see who voted. Mm. And I thought, I bet no girl has voted yes on this. And I flicked through and it was just, I think one. I think maybe I voted yes, because I actually felt guilty for being so unsupported. <laughs> Two then, yeah. So um yeah, it's very much one of those last things of, oh bro, you look you look great. And yeah. then Oh, you look like, like a fighter pilot. <laughs> As part of the Tash World. Fighter pilot. What era are you from? <laughs> you look like a fighter pilot. That's because what we, want to look like, this is lads. always what happens with Mace when we put England at the top of the show. Yeah. <laughs> um, as a member of the Tash wearing community now, Vish, do you think Sunes would benefit from bringing his back? I'm thinking it would make him like more sympathetic and likable. I think so. I-, I wonder if he's... Although, to be fair, he was wearing that Tash when he was coaching Galatasaray and he planted that flag in the middle of the pitch. The, the thing about... Now that you brought that Which is up, the most confrontational thing that anyone has ever done in a football even contest. Even Graham Sooners, yeah. yeah. The, the one thing about that cliff is, that I always remember is when he's running back having planted the flag in the middle of the pitch, the way he really deftly gets out of the way if somebody swings a kick at him. And it's just before he comes off screen and it's it's great. It just kind of... When we were talking about Scotland before, I think for a lot of people under 40, it's, it's easy to forget if you go back a generation to sort of soon as, or a couple of generations, mm-hmm. sort of soon as his generation, the amount of technically excellent players that mm. Scotland produced was absolutely unreal. And even though he was kind of a psycho, he was one of those as well. Yeah. So that's, I guess, partly why as well people are so so excited to see how they how they get on. Um, had someone hassling on Twitter about like, oh, why is Sky leading with Scotland? Northern Ireland have got a massive game as well. It's like, well, this is kind of casual for Northern Ireland. Like they've done this yeah. recently. It's, yeah. it's, you know, it's almost expected. They're, they're Slovakia as well. It's much more, it's a closer run thing. They're, they're in the FIFA rankings. They're four places above. So it's basically an equivalent uh, competition. Um, Marek Hamzik is their captain, I think. So is this, are you going to go into this and on the continent as well? Or is it exclusively? Uh, no. can, we, can we talk about this? <laughs> <laughs> Can we be cool as well? Is that right? <laughs> it's like we've disco- it's like he's discovered a band and we talk about it. And it's like, oh God, yeah, what are you talking about? Yeah, I've I've not been interested in them since their second album actually. <laughs> <laughs> One of you's gonna end up hosting it today, I think. <laughs> Co-hosting it. Yeah, I I, I just Oh yeah. I, oh, I, I okay. think the, the the thing the thing with Marek Hamzik is he has stuck with that haircut for an incredibly long time, hasn't he? Right. And I mean, don't get me wrong. It's good to be consistent. Napoli Royals with that haircut. It's kind of a novelty haircut though, isn't it? Are you saying it's not age appropriate? <gasps> maybe, maybe. Also, I think uh, like, no, no one at Napoli would ever, ever say this, but I think they were maybe slightly ashamed of it as well because <laughs> when you buy... All Even the given of, all their links <laughs> in football, well, when, they were ashamed of his hair. Unbelievably. <laughs> unbelievably. Because <laughs> when you look at the tap from their club shop, and uh, there will be a fair few listeners who will be aware of my Edinson Cavani biscuit tin, mm. which is still 
magnificent, by the way. But that looks like Cavani. If you get the equivalent, and I think Luke actually might have an, um, um, a Marek Hamzik pencil sharpener. Correct me if I'm wrong when you're on tomorrow, Luke. It, 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 he just has a short back and sides. It's kind of like when you go into the Leon shop and they have a little doll of Memphis that doesn't have any tattoos. It's, it like hasn't got his most recognisable feature, which I find really weird. That is. Do they have the got, do they have the diamond stud here for <laughs> Memphis? Uh, no. <laughs> Why is that? That's strange. I know in like Japan, it's I a mean, cultural it just, thing, it, isn't it? it where they just, don't like tattoos. Where the tattoos are a sign of, I think, yeah, they're just not. Uh, they're frowned upon. Let's say. I mean, it just looks like someone from the Disney Channel wearing a Leon strip. Basically, <laughs> it's very unusual. It's almost like those those dolls just aren't that apt. A place in Group E of next summer's finals with Spain, Sweden and Poland is up for grabs for the winner of this one. And then just before we go, guys, let's get quickly to uh, in a week where we've been thinking about football's high ring practices. What about a good news story to finish with? And that is of, of poetry Steve Grieve, well, Stevie Grieve, um, head of analysis and opposition scouting at Scottish Premiership side Dundee United FC. They're fifth in the table at the moment after being promoted uh, from the championship this season he has scouted a 17 year old kid in India not as a footballer but to be a scout slash analyst for the club just based on his blogs Ashwin Rahman what a bloody legend yeah I'm very familiar with uh, Ashwin's Ashwin's work and it's it's excellent Um, uh, of course the fact that it wasn't just his role that came to light. It was the fact that he was 17 that came to light on Football Manager. Football Manager. Yeah. And I, I, he, he pointed out on his Twitter feed, Ashwin, that it, it wasn't an, a randomly assigned birthday. It was his actual <laughs> birthday. That is so lovely. 2003, isn't it? Yeah, mm. I'm not doing maths live. I'm twice his age. <laughs> I'm twice his age. Fish, you've got a good job too. Oh, He's no, only part-time. I agree with what you're saying about, um, you know, it's great to see. And I think actually if you, I appreciate that some people aren't totally, you know, they don't really want that kind of heavy analysis from football. But actually on Twitter, uh, which is where Ashwin was found, there's loads of people doing some quite brilliant work actually mm. consistently. I mean, there's, I follow, because I've only started properly, properly covering football um, day in, day out since like last October. I've t- take, well, I took it upon myself to, try and broaden my Twitter times, get out of my, you know, lefty bubble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I found myself kind of coming across so many different people. Like there's a guy called Nathan A. Clark on, on Twitter who's very good. Grace Robertson, um, she has a sub stack and she writes really great things about football, but using data beyond like XG and XA to, you know, talk about, you know, coherent plans and reflect what we're seeing out there on a pitch. And um, yeah, they're, they're two of many, many names I could have given you who are doing some quite brilliant things. And it's great, actually, that mainstream football, specifically football clubs, are profiting from this. And uh, I think what you should probably, what we should probably point out about Ashwin's work is it's, it's really readable mm. as, as, as well. It's not... It, 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 I know a lot of people find like XG as the ultimate turnoff, for example. But the, the, the fact is that I, I think that having a bit more detail in football analysis and still actually enjoying it and having a love of the game and not mutually exclusive things which yeah. I, I think is worth pointing out I, talking to football manager though um, there was a great story that was re-brought up in France this week where are we going because uh, well <laughs> France caught up for the first time uh, the Monaco right back uh, Ruben Aguilar mm-hmm. who as his name would suggest his dad is Spanish and his his mum is French but there was he was mistakenly listed as Franco-Bolivian 
on huh. Football Manager. So he had uh, the head coach of Bolivia calling him up to the squad and he had to he had to speak to him on the phone and go, I'm, I'm not Bolivian. It's just a mistake on Football Manager. Oh, wow. wow. Football Manager is so influential. That it's is incredible. Yeah, that is incredible. All right. It was a good story. And I was a bit concerned because we've got to go now. Um, and I thought... I accept your apology. <laughs> It was worth our time. Uh, guys, thank you for, for a great morning. Um, on tomorrow's show, back again, Fish. You're with Marcus and Luke. And you know what that means, don't you? I know. That's the only reason I put myself down for it. I'm coming for that crown. And then I'm never going to come on this show again. That's, a, that's actually quite a good policy. To, to I wish I'd done that. To frankly. paraphrase Mike Skinner from the streets, don't Vieira yourself. <laughs> what better way to end? <laughs> See you next time, guys. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network.